Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. to another edition of GTF Gabriel talks football and that is a great picture of Greg I love to just put it up there while I talk over it <laughs> before I bring the actual man in let me just let you know that tonight at 8 p.m central it's Dan and Aldo bear their souls and I want you to watch from the very beginning because I've put together brand new open and I'd love to get your comments let me know if I went too far with some of the uh, images that I selected. That's all I'll say about that as a tease. And we've got tons of more great programming. But you came here for another edifying edition of Gabriel Talks Football. Let me bring the man in now. Great, Gabriel. How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. But I'll tell you, I, I, I have not been to the gym very much in the last month with all that's going on here. Mm-hmm. So those pictures you got might be false now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to keep up with that uh, regimen that you are oh, in. I'll tell you, especially when you get to my age, if you stop, <laughs> it goes away real fast. Oh, my goodness. That, that's not uh, that's that's a really difficult hill to uh, climb when you start thinking, man, I'm falling behind. I'm falling behind. It's going to be so much harder the next time we get in there. <laughs> well, it is. And then you got to start all over at square one and, and, and work your way back up. Yep. Hey, um, speaking of uh, working way back up bad transition, I think <laughs> this this Chicago Bears team on Sunday, they won against Lovey Smith in the way that Lovey Smith would win football games here in Chicago. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and good, timely defense. How's that for an evaluation? No, that, that, that's pretty good. See, th this team is a work in progress. And look, I, I, I hate to but I almost have to say people are almost expecting too much. You know, something goes wrong in a game. If you start seeing all these comments, they're two and one, two and one, but mm -hmm. screw the butt. They're two and one. Okay. The experts said they wouldn't win three games all year or they'd win three games. That was it. Well, I'm saying right now they're going to beat the giants on Sunday and the, uh, so that's their three. So what are they going to do? Go 0-13 the rest of the way? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so either. Okay, so is it a great team? No. Is it a good team? Nah. Eh, it's better than a mediocre team. But it, it's there's a lot of things involved in this, and part of this has to do what's wrong with the passing game. It, it It's easier to get the run game going than it is the passing game because of all the parts involved in, in the pass game. But, you know, you think about it, there's only two people in the offense that are familiar with this offense. That's EQ and Patrick. Mm -hmm. You know, they've played in it, and they've played in it for quite a while, so they know it. New to everybody else. And it's not 
an e- it's a great offense, but it's not an easy offense. Mm-hmm. And it it it's they're in the process of getting everybody on the same page, you know. And I think I, I tweeted it out during the game. I don't think Fields is playing with any confidence right now. He's unsure of himself. Mm. And now you know you go back. And you look at Ohio State tape, and I and I've seen at least ten games from the two years he was at Ohio State, and you never saw indecisiveness. His his accuracy for two years at, at Ohio State, and he threw a lot of balls. Now, granted, the the twenty season, his final season, was a little bit shortened because of COVID, mm-hmm. but he completed better than sixty eight percent of his passes, had um, like sixty two or sixty three touchdowns. You know, he is a good football player. There's no question that he's got the tools to be a good player. I think he tries too hard. He tries to be, he's trying to be perfect. And, and instead of, and so he's tight Mm -hmm. and, and he's hasn't been able to settle in and, you know, I think he, he hits himself harder than, than say, the coaches will, would hit him on when he's making mistakes. Mm. There's, there's nobody who can tell me he doesn't want to be successful and he doesn't have what it takes to be successful. But, you know, we're in a town that hasn't had a top-notch <laughs> quarterback in a long time, and so they want it. They want it ready-made. The day he comes out of college, the son of a bitch is supposed to win a Super Bowl mm-hmm. championship and, and you know throw for 70%. Look like Josh Allen now. Well, go back and look at Josh Allen his first two years in Buffalo. He stunk. Yes, <laughs> he <Okay>. did. <laughs> it, it was like, oh, my God, they made a mistake. It, no, the light turned on. The light turned on in year three with him. Mm. And and But he had to play through it. And he was playing in the same scheme, you know, each year. So that year two, when he struggled in year two, year two, he got a little bit better, but mm-hmm. it was his second year in the scheme. Okay, so this is this is rookie year, and it's not just Fields, it's everybody on the offense, but EQ and Patrick. Mm-hmm. And if, the, the offensive line, it's a brand new offensive line, really. Except for Mustafer, and Mustafer is probably going to be coming out, and Patrick will slide over as soon as they feel comfortable with him being able to to snap the ball with his right hand and and still use his right hand for blocking without any protection on it. Mm-hmm. I love what Nomad says is that fans want a hot pocket meal instead of waiting for the pot roast to finish. <laughs> That's very well put, Nomad. <laughs> All right, let's uh, listen to what uh, Matt Eberflew said yesterday about correcting the passing game. Yeah, I think it's everybody. It really is. It's it's the, it's the, it's the receivers. It's- Actually, I want to play this one instead. Yeah, I would just say keep on working on his footwork. You know, the footwork and then the timing. You know, the timing of it when to get the ball out of his hands. And, uh, you know, a lot of that is, you know, the pocket too at times. You know, we were looking at the film. So we got to make sure we have a clean pocket for him to ride the pocket up and then deliver the ball. And, again, it's never one guy. You know, it's also more about the uh, that, the protection. You know, make sure we show that up the best we can. And then also the timing of the routes and making sure we're timing that up. So we're getting better every week. 
you know, we had some good explosive passes in this game, which we were excited about. We're going to build off of those and uh, keep going forward. Well, you know what I like, before you say, you know what I like about him? Mm-hmm. I, it's like me. He, he's, you don't hear me talk about the negatives very mm-hmm. often. That's not me. I've never been that way. You build on, you don't build on the negatives, you build on the positives. And mm-hmm. that's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there was some awful play in there but, uh, on the offense from the quarterback end and, and, and the, just the passing game in general. But did he say it? No. He talked about the positives, and that's what you, you got to keep giving the positive reinforcement to those people. That one play showed that, Zach, not one guy got beat, two guys got beat. Mm-hmm. Moral got beat to the outside. Patrick got beat to the inside. Mm-hmm. And – you know, fields got killed. So it was a double whammy on, on the right side of the line mm-hmm. or no Borum got beat to the inside too. So the guy did a counter move. He stepped outside, came back across his face. So it's personally, I think the line will be at its best when Patrick is at center. And, you know, I watched a lot of his play last year at green Bay at center and he was a damn good center. Uh, and, Tevin at right guard. Now I'll tell you an interesting thing. You know, going looking or that, that press conference yesterday. Well, why why didn't Tevin start at guard? Well, he didn't practice good on Wednesday. See, there, there's a little bit of a disconnect with him, and I think it's probably some immaturity. And they're trying to teach him to be a pro. And so by doing that, it's like, you know, you, you go back to his his hits theory. Mm-hmm. And if you don't hustle, if you don't practice good, you're not playing. You've got to earn the right to play. And so he didn't have a good day of practice. So he still played a lot on Sunday. It's not like he didn't play. He played a lot. They're still, you know, rotating in and out. But he lost the starting job for that. And that's to teach him a lesson. Hey, you've got to work hard on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because uh, Iberflus did say, you know, he didn't show up on Wednesday ready to practice. And, um, and well, every- I don't know if he said it quite like that, but he said he didn't play. He didn't practice good. You're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Which, and- means, which means paying attention to detail and mm-hmm. effort. And you were the one that I, I think accurately said that some of that stuff that was came out through the media about Tevin early in, in uh training camp, you suspected that perhaps the Bears were trying to let him know by leaking some stuff out about his behavior and his actions and so forth. And that it worked because he got his ass in gear and started to perform well in practice and and earn that uh, playing time that he has seen so far this season. So it, it does appear like the Bears are working him and trying to really clamp down on getting him to behave uh, on and off the field in a, in a professional manner is how I interpret it. Well, I, I, I don't know if I agree the word behave. Okay. Okay. Cause I, I, I don't think he's, you know, he's not going to get in trouble, mm-hmm. you know, or, or go out and do anything stupid. He's, I don't think he's that kind of kid, but it is the, like I said a minute ago, paying attention to detail, constantly going hard, Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, his, his work ethic might slack a little bit. We're not there. We don't see it. So, you know, we're throwing the dart at the wall, but I'm trying to read between the lines. 
And, you know, he's got to be a pro. And he's a young kid. He's a young player. Uh, he's gotten by on superior talent. Mm-hmm. Probably wasn't pushed as much as he should have been pushed in, in college. So now these guys are pushing him. And he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to shit or get off the pot. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's uh, it's just time for him to do it on a consistent basis. I think they realize he might be the most talented offensive lineman they have. Yeah. But it's it's getting him to be that way 24-7. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Um, I did pull one play here uh, with poor offensive line work by center Sam Mustafer and left tackle Larry Borum. Uh, I, it'll come back at you in slow motion. Left tackle, you mean Jones? Left tackle. Uh, Braxton Jones. Yes, I'm sorry. At left okay. tackle. Yes. So okay. watch watch Mustafer after play, this. Play it a couple times then, Aldo. You bet. Here it comes. Mustafer just lets the, his, the nose okay. tackle get around him. Okay, go, now, go back to the oops, here it comes. very beginning. Left tackle Braxton. Okay, now that, that's uh, – let me ask you. That's a hard block for Mustafer to make. Mm-hmm. Look, look at how the first of all, he's lining up in, in the one gap. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he's not head up. So you got to reach for him to begin with. And now he's doing a loop, almost like a stunt where he's going into the, the three hole. Mm-hmm. And he's, and so mustafer has got to find a way to get over there quick. That That's a difficult, the, you know, w- with the left guard, pulling to the to the right side right behind that, him yeah, yeah that, that's a difficult block for Mustafer to make for anybody to make mm-hmm. you know not a little much but it, it, with Braxton Jones he didn't set well you know he, he he's got to get that left foot out there better mm-hmm. so he can get his hands on and the guy who's playing wide it, it's technique and it, it's he's going to get better with experience. I think the, the way this guy has played being where he came from an FCS level school, it's been remarkable, but mm-hmm. you know, like a lot of these other guys, they're not a finished product yet. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got to continue to, to work on this. Uh, his feet crossover. That's, that's a bad thing. You know, with, with offensive linemen, uh, you never want to have your see where his foot's right. Foot's going yeah. over the left. You see, you don't want to do that. And, because then you, you you're losing your base and you and and, and your power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems to me both Mustafer and Braxton Jones, there that first step was was a problem for them. Look look at Mustafer; it almost looks like he's leaning forwards uh, forward to get out of Cody Whitehair's way so that Cody can make that leap, and that gives the advantage to the nose tackle. Take a look at it here; goes forward and flails that right arm. And that didn't help him uh, because the nose tackle got that first step on him. What do you think about that uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. analysis by me? <laughs> no, there's some truth that I'm going to say the same thing is that the play they had called, the blocking they had set up for that play, which is not a screenplay, mm-hmm. and asking him to make that block. And you know what reality is? It wasn't the right play for what, for what, 
the Texans were doing on defense mm. on that particular play. So, you know, I, I, I don't know what Justin's capability is as far as being able, what's he allowed to audible to at the line of scrimmage when he sees something, because he knows what he knows what the blocking is supposed to be. And so when he comes up and he has that pre-snap look and he's looking and he's going, okay, mm -hmm. I, I don't think this is going to work, you know? And, you know, when you're Aaron Rodgers and you played 15 years in the league, you know it instantaneously. Okay. Now this is his second year in the league and first year of this offense. And it's being able to see it, make that, make that adjustment and call a different play based on what his pre-snap look is. Mm -hmm. Fascinating. And I'll tell you this, um, the next play I want to show you is the interception that he threw that was intended for Cole Command. I'd love for you to break this down. Let's uh, take a look at the all 22 first. We see the uh, receiver in motion. And go back, go back to the beginning if you can. You can. Yes, I can. And he's got the tight end there open, but I, I want you to see uh, Cole Komet appears to me like he's almost going to loop here. He definitely slows down. See, he slows down there a yeah. little bit. And maybe if he runs through it, but I don't know what the pass pattern now, the, is. The, the, the pass, it, it looks to me, I'm going to tell you where he's coming out. And now, like mm -hmm. come across, he's more a more of a seam. Right, right. And and it, it looks to me as if he's supposed to cut that off a little bit and come across. But at the same time, let me see the footwork here. You know, the footwork wasn't really good, and the ball sails a little bit on him. Right. And so, you know, you, you got two things wrong. But I'll be honest, I, I'm guessing a little bit because it's not the right guy to throw to when you look at it, it's almost triple coverage or yeah. at least double coverage. Mm -hmm. And um, let's, let's see who else is. He's got on the right side. He's, he's got the out at the bottom of the screen. Right. Um, and, and look at it on the top mm -hmm. on, on the flag that's there, but you know, he gets graded on now when he, when he started to throw that ball, it looks like it's open. So, again, without knowing exactly how the play is designed mm -hmm. and and where Cole Komet's supposed to be, where the ball is supposed to be, it, it's kind of hard. You know, people could say whatever they want, but we don't know. Mm -hmm. And, and you, the coaches know. And when they're going over the tape and they go over the tape with the players – they go through that, you know, here's where, here's where you made a mistake. This is what you're supposed to do. And then you learn because there, there were two outside guys wide open on that play. Yes. Okay. So, but being that he went to, to uh, commit first, commit was obviously the number one, mm -hmm. but a more experienced quarterback is probably going to go to two or three on that particular play based on what the coverage looked like. Right. 
Well, and I, I started to play this soundbite from Coach Eberflus, uh, so let me finish it. It is about 50 seconds long, and this is okay. uh, his response to the question, how do you correct the passing game? Yeah, I think it's everybody. It really is. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's the receivers, it's the tight ends, it's the running backs, it's the, it's the quarterback, it's the protection. All those come into play with the timing and the rhythm of the passing game. And it's, it's all 11 of us. You know, it's all 11 of us and the coaches and everybody involved. So it's, it's, it's all encompassing, you know, and that's why, you know, in the passing game, you're dealing with more space, right? And you're dealing with, you know, varying of coverages. And we had to do a really good job of that. And that's all of us together getting in sync. And, and like I said, we had some nice chunk plays in that, you know, in the, in the game. And uh, we're going to build off of that. You know, as a running game, it's a little different. You got fronts, you got fronts that are right in front of you. It's more direct. And we're doing a really good job, um, obviously, moving the line of scrimmage in the running game right now. So we're certainly pleased with that. I love his explanation there. I mean, he lays the responsibility on everyone, including the coaching staff. And he finishes on that high note because this offensive line did a tremendous job with their blocking for the run game. Greg? No question. And it's to the point, first of all, I, I love the way he answers questions. He explains things. He, he doesn't really call anybody out, but it, it's what I was saying. This isn't just, not everything is on fields. It's easy to put it on fields because he's the guy with the ball in his hand. Mm -hmm. But the receivers got to run the right route and running the right route. Isn't necessarily running a good out route or a good in route or, you know, whatever. It's also at the right spot, the right depth. And then, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you're, and I don't know exactly how that previous play was supposed to work. None of us do, right. but let's say you're supposed to make a break at 14 yards. If you make a break at 12 or 17, you run a bad, you've run a bad route. And that takes away from what the quarterback can do. So it's everybody. And, and that goes back to what I said at the beginning. There's two people in this, in this offense that have played in this scheme before. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to get together on the same page. And it, it's going to take some time. The, the run game, they got the run game going. Now we got to get the pass game going. And that means you work harder on it in practice. Mm -hmm. uh, you spend more time in the in, in the film room, and and you do whatever it takes to get it right. But the, the emphasis isn't just on fields to improve; it's on the, the offensive line to give fields the time, and it's on the receivers to make sure they run their routes correctly. Greg, you know, um, as I get older, I get more and more ornery, you know, get off my grass kind of person. <laughs> and one of the things that's really bothering me about my fellow Bears fans is that we went into the season saying this is going to be a running team. We're going to run the ball. And now everybody's complaining about the lack of running the ball. Running ball. Running the ball. <laughs> so, 280 yards running the ball. What are we complaining about? <laughs> in the national, how often do you see that in the National Football League? Besides, almost never. Yeah, exactly. And it's been almost forty years since since the Bears have did it, and that was an entirely different era of football. Mm -hmm, exactly. And so, uh, Flusk was asked about 
that balance that you have to keep. You want Justin Fields to get into pass situations so that he can accumulate that experience, but at the same time, you're trying to win a game, and the run game is what's getting you there. This is Flues responding to that. Yeah, topic. I mean, there's you always look at that, but it's always going to be the first. You know, we're going to try to we're doing everything we can to win the game. You know, that the, that's the most important thing that, you know, what's the style we would have to play to win that particular game, you know, and it, it changes, you know, that changes every week to week. You know, this week we were in a mode where it was a style which we had to play uh, to win the game and, and, and it came out in the right end. We should. We need to stop complaining. <laughs> We're winning games, and yeah, Fields looked at. They, they want to win with beauty points. They don't want. You know, there's people that not, don't only want to win. Mm-hmm. You know, they want Miss America crowned at the same time. Mm-hmm. And this team isn't to that level yet. You 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 got to be patient. Uh, you know, I I like the direction they're going. I think the defense still has some work to do. They gave, even though their their total yardage wasn't that bad, that what they gave up, um, they gave it up some inopportune plays, though. Where mm-hmm. you know, so the the consistency on the defense has got to get a little better. And hey, you know, I go back and I've, I've used this term before on, on you know that I steal from Parcells. Those guys are on scholarship too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And trying to win a game too so you're going there's going to be plays that you're going to give up there's going to be breakdowns on the offense and the defense okay you just got to outperform and the bottom line is you got to outperform the other team and you got to have more points at the end of the game than they do and you know it's easy when you're coming off a win is as poorly as the passing game functioned on sunday you're coming off a win, and it's a lot easier to come off a win and fix things than it is coming off a loss. Mm, indeed. All right, I want to talk about defense uh, because we always give them short thrift. But before we do that, I still have to t- say one more thing about the run game. I thought it was sensational, and I'd love for you to comment on Khalil Herbert. Uh, Zach writes, hope Herbert can carry the load for a while. How long is Monty out? We don't know that. Uh, it'll be day-to-day, which means week-to-week. We need both those guys with Fields running threat. Our run game should be dynamic. He loves that. Give me your evaluation of Khalil Herbert's play and uh, what's your confidence level that he can be the number one running back for three, four weeks if necessary? Oh, my, my confidence level is at a you know, 9.5. I mean, he, he did that last year. You know, when you go back and you look at his tape, now, first of all, he played, he only played at Virginia Tech one year. Before that, he was at Kansas in a poor Kansas team. And by the way, as long as you're saying Kansas, a shout out to my friend, the head coach, Lance Leipold at, at uh, Kansas. What a freaking job he's doing at that place. They're 4 0. When's the last time they were, that school was 4 0? That is like one of the, when he took that job, he was the head coach at the University of Buffalo. I just was like, Lance, this is not the right school. You can't win there. It's his second year. And yeah, he's only a third of the way through the season, but they're putting points on the board and they're winning. That's you know, right. and, and, and so hats off to him. But anyway, Herbert was there, poor team. And, and he was never there with Lance. And then he, he transfers uh, his final year over to Virginia Tech, puts up some great numbers. 
And then when you look at his workout, it's like, how the hell did he go as late as he did? I think there might have been some questions on how good he is as a receiver. Uh, but he's a, I don't think he's a great receiver, but he's a good receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've seen last year he had one game over 100 and another one close to 100 when he had a fill-in for Montgomery. He tore it up Sunday. And then what I think will happen, let me get into my Bears roster here. If if Montgomery has to sit out this week, they'll elevate, can't think of his name, Darrington Evans from um, the practice yeah. squad, who, who isn't too shabby. He's a good player. Absolutely. You know, he, he's got some skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. And so the running game's in good shape. Mm-hmm. But you got to have three healthy ones, and, and especially if you're going to run the ball as much as the Bears want to run the ball, you got to have three healthy backs. And right now, it looks like you know we're sitting here Tuesday morning at at eleven thirty, and and after watching the Giants last night, it looks like you'll be able to run on the Giants. Well, the Giants didn't look that good yesterday. Green Bay looked horrible against Minnesota. Then they came back the next week. I mean, you know, National Football League, you, you make corrections and you get better. They're playing at home. Mm-hmm. And, and and they've got a team very similar to this team in that you're you're playing in a new scheme, new coaching staff. So I'm and and their case it's on both sides of the ball. They got a, a very good defensive coordinator and, and Martindale. Uh, they're probably gonna blitz the hell out of fields. Um, it, it, it's it's not a given. I think the, the, the Bears are a better team, and because and I think the, the Giants are having some, even though they got two first-round picks mm-hmm. playing at the offensive tackle position, I think that you know the Bears' pass rush is going to give them some problems. My thanks to Joe, who points out that Adam Schefter is reporting that the Bears have placed Byron Pringle on injured reserve due to a calf injury and now I have signed linebacker Joe Thomas off their practice squad. You know, it's an unfortunate uh, break or whatever. <laughs> that Maybe that's a poor use of words. But for Pringle, because, you know, he was we've, – we've talked about him uh, numerous times before uh, the season started that he could be a valuable contributor to this passing game. But because of his training camp injury and now his injury here early in the season – been very very difficult for him to get into a rhythm and that's another blow to this passing game isn't it well it's not just pringle don't forget Velas has been out yes, they've never had the whole group together and mm-hmm. that has a little bit to do with the, the passing game uh being as non-functional as it as it has been so far um you know it's funny about pringle you know there's this thing we have in scouting if you get injured a lot in college you'll get injured in the, in the NFL etc but the NFL Pringle's been a healthy player and so this year as he comes over here and, and, and he's got a one-year deal and he can't he gets hurt in training camp with a muscle problem now he gets another it sounds like he pulled the calf muscle and that's going to take a few weeks at least he's out now four weeks with the uh, being put on IR that means they're either going to have to bring in somebody off the street or they'll uh, bring up. Uh, I got to go back to my roster here because I can't remember all these names. 
Well, and while you're looking for that name, uh, you know, Cornelius makes a great point about Pringle that his one of his biggest assets of being on this roster is what he does for the run game with his outstanding blocking. He's he's going to be sorely missed from that standpoint alone. They could bring in somebody off the street, but he doesn't know the offense. So you can bring up Isaiah Coulter. Mm -hmm. You know, you can do it as a game day, bring up for a couple weeks. And then you have to make a decision. You only can bring a guy up off the practice squad like three times mm-hmm. during the course of year. Then you got to either keep him on the practice squad or, uh, and uh, John there says a four at best. No, he's not. He was, he was a solid three at Kansas city, the last two thirds of the, the season and had some big, big plays. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt this year. Uh, you can't help that shit happens in football yeah. guys get hurt. Uh, Smith Marset, uh, another guy put that up there, or Jordan did. Um, good player at Iowa. He's not the biggest guy. He's kind of built like like Mooney, maybe a little bit sturdier than than Mooney. He can run. Mm-hmm. He's he is also a pretty damn good return guy. Uh, the offense in Minnesota that they have this year is similar to this one, mm-hmm. uh, but now he's had you know, since the final cut down uh, to get up to speed. So this will be his, his really his fifth week in, in, in the, the offense. And, and so, um, yeah, they're going to have to call on him to play more. He got some snaps the mm-hmm. other day on, on Sunday, but he's going to have to get more. And, and the, the, somebody's going to have to step up. Nikhil well, Harry's name. It's a combination of it's a flu set it right. It's a combination of everything. It's blocking, running the right routes, quarterback getting the ball out of his hand, having his footwork correct. You know, it it's people are trying to put everything on fields, and it's more than just fields. When is Nikhil Harry uh, eligible to come back after this upcoming game? After this game, he's actually I think because the rules change all the time. I think he's eligible to start practicing this week. Okay. And we'll be keeping an eye on Lucas Patrick, given that he took some snaps at center in practice last week. Uh, it's probably pretty close that he's might be making his debut at center against the Giants. Uh, well, so I can guarantee you they're not going to tell you. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> yep. somebody, whoever got the video of him snapping um, – you know, in practice, probably got detention for three days for putting that video off. You know? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> so, they, they want the, the Giants to be guessing on that. They want the Giants to plan for Patrick and, and Jenkins playing right guard and, and, and Mustafer playing center. And so then, mm-hmm. if you, you know, the game kicks off on Sunday and you got a different alignment, that's just a little bit of an edge for the Bears. Yeah, indeed. Now let's talk defense because uh, one of the things that was a noticeable improvement was the tackling in this game, and Matt Eberflus talked about that on Monday. You know, for example, if you look, watch Roquan, you know, on, on his on his TFL, you know, him getting up up and into the line of scrimmage, um, that was a big emphasis. So that's called getting up on the runner. So you, when you do that, you really uh, are in a position of power. 
and you're able to wrap through the hamstrings and your, your pad level's lower. And when you take a guy's legs away, it's hard to run that way. And there were several examples of that. Another one would be Nick Morrow on that screen that when we knocked him out of field goal range on the third down. Um, if you look how low he was in that tackle and where the runner went, he went directly backwards. And uh, that's a way to secure a good tackle. Uh, that's the style we want to play and the style we want to use. Greg, that is such a turn on to me when I see good tackling like that in a league that has forgotten. What are you, what are you getting an erection in your seat? <laughs> what do you think this noise is? <laughs> <laughs> um, good tackling is something you rarely see in the NFL nowadays, and when the Bears do it, it is exciting to see, man. No, the the tackling was better. I thought the physicality of the game, but you know, overall, the the tackling in the secondary was better. Mm-hmm. And and you're playing without Jalen, who you know their number one corner. Uh, people now are complaining about you know, the number two pick. You know he's going through growing pains. Mm-hmm. You yep. know, and, and he's a talented guy. He had some good plays too. He had some good coverage too. Got beat a few times. Mm-hmm. That happens, okay. And you got to expect that. Mm-hmm. And you've got to expect also the, uh, this improved play by Eddie Jackson. It's just so thrilling to watch him be at the right place at the right time. He got another interception this past week. His tackling has improved. I well, mean, that, the interception was a gift. I mean, you know, that, that was, was a gift, but yeah. you got to be there, right? You got to be a right. <laughs> um, I just see such an improvement with this guy. This guy, uh, he's going to be mentioned in that top 100 list if he continues to have games like he has these first three uh, of the season. It's great to see Eddie Jackson back. Yeah, no, he's he's playing like he did in 2018, 2019. And it's nice to see because he's got that kind of talent. Mm-hmm. But I think what they're asking him to do you know, schematically fits his skill set. Mm-hmm. Yep, to a T, absolutely. Now, uh, a guy whose skill set uh, is being used in multiple different ways is Kyler Gordon, but he's had some growing pains. Yeah, that's uh, the saying. You know, he's gotten beat, but he's had some good plays too. Yes, he has. And, and, and there's a couple times, and I look at it, and I wasn't sure – if it was his bus or one of the safeties bus, mm-hmm. you know, and, and again, without being the coach and knowing exactly what was called that play, it's, you know, it's easy to say when you're just looking at the game and say, Oh, he stunk. He got beat. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes he's supposed to get beat because he's supposed to have over the top help, mm-hmm. you know, especially if they're in a cover two thing and then he settles down, in, in the lower zone and the safety is supposed to pick up a guy deep. So, so without knowing what the design, the de- defensive design is for that particular play, for the call they had on, it's kind of tough to, to criticize the guy saying he made a mistake. Sometimes you're saying so-and-so made a mistake and it was really not that guy. It was somebody else. Mm. Uh, Tareen is reporting that uh, Giants wide receiver Sterling Shepard tore his ACL. Hate to see that happen to him. Did you see uh, the play that happened? I'm sorry? Did you see the play that happened? Yes, I did. Late in the game, yes. <laughs> I, it, 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 I mean, he was just running a route. That was it. Going straight. He didn't even make a cut. Yep. 
And I'll tell you, it, it, it's interesting because that I, I saw on Twitter, some guy say, you know, the goddamn MetLife turf has nothing to do with the turf. Yeah. I remember my second training camp with mm-hmm. the guy, maybe it was my third training camp. Mm-hmm. We had a safety, Herbie Welsh from UCLA. Uh, and I think it was Herbie's second year in the league. Very first day of camp. We hadn't even started warm-ups yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's out there, and he's just real slowly going through his back pedal and then into the break. I mean, going like one-third to one-half speed, if that. Mm-hmm. Nobody's anywhere near him. He tore his ACL. Wow. Just boom. Just I mean, that can happen. You're, you're, you're like just the... Just something happens, and and put it this way: when it happens, when, when something like that happens with Herbie uh, last night with with the Giants receiver, there was already weakness there, mm-hmm. and there was just something else that made it pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, I'll never forget. <clears throat> I was up at training camp uh, to visit the Vi- Vikings in Mant- Mantino, I think it's called. Mankato, excuse me. And uh, the day after I left, Teddy Bridgewater goes back to throw, sets up, and boom! He just blew up like if it like if a shotgun hit him. No contact. It just blew up on its own. It's tremendous. Uh, it's it's not tremendous in a good way, but it, you know, uh, really bizarre that that can happen and and that the injury can be so severe with no contact at all. That's that's a scientific uh, investigation that needs well, to happen. Like, like, I, I'm convinced, and I probably have to talk to some of my orthopedic friends to to get it verified, but I'm totally convinced that there's already a weakness there. Hmm. They just don't know it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, maybe the, the knee was giving some of these guys a little bit of problem. Now you said, look what happened. Cohen tours his Achilles mm-hmm. on, on that transition on that thing. And you heard the pop. Hell, I tore my Achilles not, not three years ago now, two and a half years ago. And I just got out of the chair I'm sitting in now to get up to go over and stop the dog from barking and somebody going by. I walked. I was walking over and my Achilles popped. Mm. That that is scary stuff, man. Scary indeed. Uh, Just one last thought about Kyler Gordon. That one pass play that uh, it it appeared like Gordon was shuffling off his receiver uh, on the slot. Uh, to a, somebody else, Eberflus right. in the press conference did say that that was Kyler's guy that he should have been on him, and he and and Flus was asked, "Are they asking Kyler Gordon to do too much, play in the slot, play outside, and so forth?" I won't play the soundbite, but essentially, Flus said it's something that they are looking at, and 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 they do with all players in terms of what they ask them to do. So I've got a feeling that we might see Kyler Gordon not play the slot as often or at all in these next few games so that he can get more acclimated to his responsibilities on the outside. What do you think about perhaps a move like that? Or he may just strictly play the slot, which means there's going to be, you know, depending on what the other team is doing. Now at, at Indianapolis, Flus was playing, I think it was like 80 to 85% of the time they were playing in a sub package with a slot corner. And so you didn't have that, that Sam linebacker in there. 
in the Bears' first three games, that Sam linebacker has gotten a lot of playtime. More so, and and I think you know some teams are trying to to run on the Bears, and and uh, and that's why you've got that extra linebacker in there. Mm But you know, I you can be for a rookie to put to overload him sometimes can be detrimental, and and you know going back to another position, wide receivers. One back when I was working in the league a rookie came in and, and the poor guy had to learn three positions because he was going to be a backup. And instead of being, you know, it took him a while. A lot of times we, you know, we're going through stat numbers on guys and when did the light come on? And the light usually came out around the third year, the end of the second year, beginning of the third year with receivers because of the way they were teaching receivers. And this was across the league. This wasn't just here. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, somebody had the brilliant idea of, well, we got a larger roster. Why don't we play him at one position, let him learn that position, and he could be productive at that position. And now you're seeing guys come into the league because of that, and they're putting up pretty big numbers because mm-hmm. they don't, they're don't. they not being asked to do a, a million different things. Mm-hmm. You know, the, it, the game simplified for them. Well, yeah. the same thing can happen with, with a guy – like Kyler Gordon and that, you know, you're asking him to learn the outside position, the inside position. He could be lining up inside and thinking outside principles, vice versa. And uh, he screws up a play. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you have to also cite the fact that he, he missed those games in camp. And so, you know, what you learn in the classroom has to be implemented out on that practice field before you can put it out on the football field. And so that's probably hampered his growth uh, a bit. I wanted to ask you about the uh, pass rush for this team. This team likes to rely on a four-man pass rush and is reluctant to call blitzes uh, based on what I've seen over the last three games. Are you happy with the pass pressure this team is getting? Would you like to see more blitzing? Would you like to see improved pass rush play by any particular player or or players on this team? I thought the first two games, the pass rush, uh, you almost throw out the first game, but still, (laughs) first two games, the pass rush was pretty darn good, just using Mm -hmm. four. I, I think they did blitz a, a few plays. Um, teams are trying to concentrate and stop Quinn. What I'd do to that is I'd put him to the up against the weakest player, not necessarily keep him on the right side. Like uh, the Giants' first round pick, Neal's at the right tackle position. Mm-hmm. And he was a left tackle at, at Alabama, but he's struggling. And he, he, got, he got his ass whooped yesterday. I'd put Quinn on the left side for that game, but that's me. But you know, they got to have this. Uh, you know, they they got to run the scheme the way they they want to run this the scheme. And Quinn was going against Tunzel. Tunzel's a pretty damn good player now. Yeah, you know, I mean, he he he's got the talent to be elite, and good players rise to to the tough occasions and, and and he's going against an elite player in Quinn, but good. But Quinn got pressures. There's no question. He got pressures. He's not getting sacks. He got one sack in three games. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're going to come. But like I say, I, I would try to, 
just put him up, you know, scheme him a little bit because Thomas is a better pass blocker for the Giants at left tackle than, than Neal is right now. And mm-hmm. Thomas, I don't think Thomas is great. He's not going to be anywhere near as good as Tunzel. So either way, you can you can have uh, Quinn have some success. But if you watch that game last night, you know, their quarterback, Giants quarterback, was was run for his life most of the game. And they were always in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, for a good part of the game. So yet despite that, so you got Barkley had one really big run. You you gotta make sure you could you, you keep Barkley bottled up, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you gotta create more pressure. Now that doesn't necessarily mean you gotta blitz. Yeah, you blitz sometimes a few times. But I understand what the Bears are trying to do. They got a very young secondary back there. And then Sunday they're playing without their best cover guy in Jalen. And so you want to keep as many people back in the coverage as you possibly could because Jalen was going to be out. I guess Jalen was on the the radio yesterday, and it sounds like he might be out this week too. You know, he he pulled a quad, I guess, um, Mm -hmm. last week in practice. Mm -hmm. And so – you know, that could be a couple-week injury. And you've never lost faith in Kindle Vildor. Um, were you uh, repay, Were you paid for that faith you have in Vildor uh, based on his play this past Sunday? He's playing improved. There's still room for more improvement. What people said, forget, he's going to get beat. They're all going to get beat. Mm-hmm. It's how often do they get beat and how mm-hmm. quick – how quickly they recover or forget that the, the main key is have a short memory. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get beat. I had a, I had a bad play and you come back and you have a strong play, mm-hmm. you know, the yeah. next one, but in fairness, now the receiving core they're going against next week, you know, they, they lost perhaps their best receiver Galladay, who they spent a fortnight. This, the, the <laughs> regime of the giants now was not the, 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 regime that gave him like 18 million a year or whatever the hell it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never thought he was that good to begin with. I mean, you know, maybe he was a $10 million player, but he, he wasn't in that upper echelon of receivers. I think he's stiff. I've always thought he's stiff. I thought he was stiff when he was in college, you know, and when I say that, I, you know, he's, he's stiff in his hips a little bit. He's not real fluid. And so, you know, straight line routes, fly routes, uh, post flags, things like that. He can do those good because he does. But when he's got to do a comeback route or a sharp out, something like that, where he's got to break down and get out of the cut quickly, he can't do it because of his, and then his speed becomes uh, negated because of the tightness in his hips. Indeed. And then he had that drop and it sounds like, and, and, you know, I I really love Brian Dable as a coach, and he's being like Flus. You don't practice good, you ain't playing. Mm, I love that approach in a head coach. It's the way it should be. What about the Jalen Jones? He he comes in. You know, I didn't know much about him. Uh, I think he was an undrafted free agent acquisition from uh, Mississippi. Uh, he had two tackles on on Sunday. Uh, played, I thought, a respectable game. Can you think the Bears can lean on him more for uh, a playing time and and get away with it? Well, well if, if Jalen's out, they may have to. Right. And, you know, it's an interesting story. He, you know, got hurt in college. And then there was 
you know, coming back from the injury, he didn't play as good. Uh, and so he, you know, people were questioning his speed. Now he did run good mm -hmm. at the pro day, but then you, you come up, well, you probably trained for that. And that's, that's his train speed, not his real speed. And no, he's really, if you go back and look at him early in his career, the guy's a pretty good player. Mm -hmm. He got hurt at an inopportune time and it affected, you know, where he got drafted, which was nowhere. And he ends up being a free agent. Sometimes you hit a home run on that. I mean, you know, the Colts got a, uh, a pro bowl corner, the, their, their nickel corner. He was a free agent, undrafted free agent. And, and, you know, you get lucky. And at that position, that can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, overall, fans should be extremely proud of the fact that they are rooting for a team that is two and one, a team that has undergone dramatic changes. I'm not sure any team in the NFL has had such a roster turnover like the Chicago Bears have and a, and a whole new coaching staff on top of that. And to get disciplined play out of these players and to get two victories in three weeks is something that we should be applauding and not uh, complaining so much about the uh, inefficiencies, about the blemishes in this team. We've got to give them time. Greg, you've been preaching this since day one. I'm just echoing your words on this. Um, it, it, it's, it just gets discouraging every once in a while when I'm hearing fans complain so much about a team that is a baby. It's really is a baby just coming out of the womb and learning how to walk and stuff. No, <laughs> no, you, you're right. Yeah. And it's, you got to have patience. I'm not changing the fact I, I've been saying all along, this is an eight win team. Maybe if they're lucky, they can go nine and seven. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like with any team, you, you, you got to keep the key guys healthy. And you lose some key guys, and, and that's going to uh, hurt your your potential success. And, and Fields, you know, somebody said Fields got to relax. Maybe Fields relaxes on the road. I don't know if it's relaxes on the road. He's not playing relaxed right now. He's not playing. He's trying too hard. He's playing tight. And when you do that, it just slows everything up. You know, and and it, it I, he, the the commenter is right. He's got to relax. He's he he's just got to throw the negative out of his mind. Don't worry about like last week. He he does a presser just to apologize about the comment. He didn't need to. Yeah. So he's he's trying to please a lot of people, mm -hmm. and he he knows what's expected of him. Mm -hmm. And he's probably putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Mm -hmm. uh, but and and part of that job is is the the coach's job too mm -hmm. to help work work through that. Yeah, your good buddy Olin Krutz in his latest podcast uh, raised the question that perhaps there's too many young voices in Justin Fields's ear. Andrew Janaki is a very young guy. He's in his early or mid-30s. Uh, of course, Luke Getze is a young guy and is calling plays for the first time in his professional career. And so, Olin threw the calling plays for the first time as an NFL, NFL. He called plays in college. Correct. Back at Mississippi State. And did a couple of preseason games for, for the Packers as well as, as they developed their coaching staffs over there. But 
Uh, Olin's uh, point is worth discussing. Do you think that perhaps, you know, these young coaches also need to grow some uh, with their play calling, with their decision-making, how they nurture a young quarterback? Or, or is your confidence level so high with these young coaches that that's not the bigger issue? The bigger issue is fields, is mechanics, and, and the offensive line pa- pass blocking. You know, I, in all honesty, I don't think I can answer that because mm-hmm. I don't know these guys. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they coach. Uh, Jadako's been in the league for a while. He's got a good, good reputation. You know, is, is he – what you don't want is him telling Fields one thing and Getsy telling him another. Yeah. There's got to be one voice between the two, or it can be both voices, but they got to be saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, is that happening? I don't know. You're wrong. I don't think Olin knows, but I mean, it's a valid point that, that Olin makes, but it's also a point that he's guessing at. He's not sure of it. Uh, but I'll go back to what I said at the beginning of the show. I go back to his college tape and everything he did in college says he was going to be a hell of a pro. And, you know, he could go through a progression. He could find one, two, and three. He was very, very accurate and probably one of the best deep ball throwers I've ever seen. Mm. And he's sunk, and, and through the first two years, he's made, you know, shown flashes of that. We just haven't seen him do it back to back to back. Yeah. And I think if, if, if he comes out and he has a game where he starts to have success, I think, I think that's, that's the key. He's got to have some early success. Just look at that game. They, they screwed up first down, their very first first down. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a bad throw by Justin on that quick screen over to the right, bubble screen to the right. And, you know, right away, oh, fuck, I did you know, and, and, and so you're getting those negative vibes all the way. He's got to have some success, and success breeds more success. Mm. Let's tackle some of these questions before we get out of here. Let's see what Danger T has for us. He says, with Justin Fields getting hit so much, would that make Fields gun-shy in the pocket? Also, would you rather throw everything at Fields or bring him along slowly? So uh, Greg was just talking about that, but – Regarding being gun shy, it is to me a concern with every quarterback. If they're getting hit, I, I've seen Peyton Manning cringe before he got hurt because the pass offensive line pass blocking at that particular time of his career was just leaky and it impacts a quarterback's mind. Uh, your thoughts? Well, number one, those guys that can't move. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They better have good protection because then they are, you know, they don't have, they don't have the ability of a Justin Field to extend the play. And then go back. You see that that video last week where Eli Manning goes into Penn State and tries to act like a walk-on. Yeah, Did you see that? You know, and, and he runs the forty and he ran a five-four-six. He's only two years out of the league, so that tells you something, you know. And he keeps himself in shape. He never ran a 40. I don't believe he ran a 40 at the combine or his pro day. I know Peyton didn't because Peyton didn't do anything at the combine. And I was at his pro day at Tennessee and he didn't run. He mm-hmm. just threw. Um, 
Tom Brady ran, ran like a five, two, mm-hmm. you know, those guys, they got to have protection. Fields is the new breed quarterback. I don't think he's gun shy. I just don't think he, he is. I keep going back to we're confident. He's not sure of himself. He's not confident enough. And, you know, the good quarterbacks have that, that stopwatch in their head and they, they can figure out how much time they got to get the ball out of their hand. And he holds onto the ball too long. And that's going to come with experience. But again, it's, it's, working on it in practice too. It's like thrown out. Yeah, you know, almost gotta have a coach screaming in his ear. Get mm-hmm. now, now, now. I I totally agree with that. And sometimes he doesn't have that room to get rid of the ball quickly. Um so yeah again Matt Eberflu said it all. This every aspect of this passing game has to improve in order for Justin Fields to improve. Uh, you know it's chicken and the egg kind of thing, right? Well, um, there, there, there's plays when he he decides to take off probably when he could step up. And that's an experience. Yes. Yeah. And and you, you got to learn that. That's a learn on the go type of situation where and, and you and you see it when you're looking at the tape after the game. And, you, you know, he said, oh, yeah, if I would have gave it. You know, another half a second, I could have stepped up, moved a little bit to my left and gotten a throw off. Mm -hmm. But in the heat of the action, he doesn't necessarily know that. And so he has a tendency to say, "Okay, I'm just going to make plays with my feet. Mm -hmm. Yep. All right. Uh, We've got a lot of questions regarding that right guard position. For instance, J2K says, what do you think of Patrick getting the majority of snaps at right guard? And will the Bears keep him there going forward? Let me add to that. Bears Country Podcast, my man, Mr. Shorty, says, if Borum continues to struggle, should the Bears try Leatherwood at right tackle? And I'll add one more to that. If Borum continues to to struggle, should Jenkins get a shot at right tackle in live action? Tell me what you think about Leatherwood. That's a lot. First of all, you let Borum grow. Mm -hmm. He's going – every – his – Overall play is the plus. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he gets beat sometimes. You want him to get beat none. But the way he becomes better is to keep playing. Uh Leatherwood is on NFI. Leatherwood is on NFI now. He can't play for at least another few weeks, and they can bring him off NFI. And he's got to you know, you know when you're gonna see him play next year. Yeah, you're not going to see him. They they got to strip him down, build him back up. Yeah, and um, only in an emergency will we see him late in the season, right? Uh, yeah, but that's what you you know you've got uh, Riley Reef for that too. That, exactly. You know? So then is is as far as the the guard situation, Patrick was brought here to be a center, and. It was the center until he broke his hand. So I think going forward, he's when he's ready to move back to center and snap the ball, that's what he's going to do. And they will be a better – and I don't think Mustafer has, has played badly. I think he's played 10 times better than he did a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's getting the best five on the field. And, and part of that is, is yeah, Tevin Jenkins has got to be in there 
And Tevin played a lot Sunday. Don't, you know, when I hear he he didn't get any snaps, he got snaps. Mm -hmm. Um, But he's also got to learn how to be a pro and act like being a pro on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, not just on Sunday, because I don't think there's ever been a problem with Tevin. You put him in during a game, mm-hmm. he he produces. So it's but you got to produce Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday also. Jordan has a message for you. He says, I hope the Bills Mafia stick it to the Dolphins when that awful fan base has to travel to Buffalo, New York. What do you think? Yeah, about- I didn't watch the whole game because it was on across from the the Bears game, and I was swapping back and forth. Mm-hmm. How about they had the ball almost forty minutes? <laughs> Allen threw for over four hundred yards. I, I tweeted it out. I, I said I rewatched the game yesterday morning. I said the Dolphins did not beat the Bills. The Bills beat the Bills. They had some miscues. They had a uh, 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 the kicker made a mistake and he hit the ground with a with his foot before he hit the ball and he shanked a, a kick and that, you know, all these things would have made a difference mm-hmm. in the game, a couple penalties. Uh, and then they had a score of players. It was a hundred degrees over a hundred degrees on the field. And then a score of players go down with heat problems, mm-hmm. you know, so they were playing shorthand. They, they were playing, you know, they didn't have their two best, defensive tackles to begin with and the defense played still played good but on offense they were playing with four out of their five starters <laughs> for most of that game that's right that's you know right. and and yet they still put up those numbers uh, I'm, I'm not worried the fan base in buffalo oh my god it, it, it's like <laughs> all of a sudden they became chicago people because Oh, I don't know if the people surrounding Allen are good enough, but the wide receiver said, the son of a bitch throw for over 400 yards. He's got a great receiving core. He's got one of the best in the league. And, you know, just some of the stuff that you see, and it's people just overreacting mm-hmm. instead of looking at the base facts of what happened in that game. You know, and, and I'll tell you what, you got a northern team goes down to Miami this time of the year and plays the, the heat of the day. Mm-hmm. And, and between the humidity and the temperature. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's see. I got a couple more here before we get out of here. By the way, Chris Watt says, Greg, I don't like Mike Florio. <laughs> These things. <laughs> what is it about Mike Florio that uh, brings out hatred from people uh, who are fans of the Bears, or is it just in general? What's going well, on with Mike Florio? You know, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that he doesn't give a damn what he puts out. Mm-hmm. He's looking. He's looking for clicks. Yeah. Period. And yeah. and so, you know, he he will write something knowing that it could be controversial, mm-hmm. and he doesn't care if he's right wrong indifferent because he's wrong probably 70 percent of the time especially <laughs> when he when when he does something on opinion but you know they get a lot of clicks and it's made him money so you know to me and and i don't know if you remember i, I don't know if i can yeah freddie edelstein remember freddie edelstein yes absolutely way way <laughs> back until you know and he ended up in prison but uh I he know. was yeah, he was the first insider gossip guy, mm-hmm. uh, and he had a newsletter that that came out every week. And 
80% of it was total made up bullshit. And then the, the first, the next guy who was actually had some credibility was Will McDonough, hmm. uh, who did it for CBS. And he was a, you know, excellent writer for the Boston Globe, had great connections throughout the league. And then, you know, then guys like um, Mort and Sheppy and, and those Mort was really the next guy. And, you know, not, not now there's a bunch, but Florio, he's a gossip columnist. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and apparently, according to Nomad, he's also pregnant. <laughs> well, first of all, I, he's a freaking lawyer. That's <laughs> everything you need. Enough said. Now I understand. <laughs> Thank you. And he was a he was a, a labor attorney, <laughs> and he must have been a failed one because you know he's making more money. Making up bullshit than he did as an attorney, because a good attorney makes a lot of money. Yep, and Brett Favre better get one right. Of course, he was he was an attorney in you know like um, Central West Virginia, so maybe you can't make any money there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, somebody just wrote R.I.P. Mort. They're not talking about Chris Mortensen. He's okay, right? I hope. Yeah, no, he's he's had some. Yeah, know. but that's been going on for years. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. All right. Uh, let's uh, finish this show. You've already predicted a Bears win against the New York Giants. In a nutshell, tell me why the Bears are going to go to New York and beat the uh, the boys in blue New York Giants. I think they're going to put pressure on Daniel Jones. They're going to run the ball themselves, control the clock, and uh, make it difficult. And, and now – the only injury that I know of is, is they lost the receiver. There could be some others. But Jones is, you know, he's playing for his career. Yep. They, they didn't pick up, they didn't pick up the fifth year option on him. So now, you know, it's almost like Trubisky in that fourth year. So the Giants got to make a decision on him. He's got talent. Uh, but he seems to have, have just hit that stagnant point. You know, he can make some good plays, but he gets pressured a lot. And, and I think the Bears will do a good job uh, pressuring him. He can pressure him into some bad throws. I just think, you know, I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything, but I think it's going to be a road win, and you're going to take a road win any day of the week. All right. Uh, I, you are absolutely right. A road win against anybody any day of the week would be outstanding. And the fact that the Bears could potentially be three and one after four weeks. Oh, my goodness. That would be music to my ears. And I don't frankly don't care how they win. Winning is contagious. You go out there and you win, even if it's ugly. Blue said it, although the important mm -hmm. thing is we win the game. Mm -hmm. Okay. All exactly. other things are secondary to winning the game. Yeah, you can complain about this part of the game, complain about that guy. You know, what, would you rather have Justin throw for 350 yards and lose by 20? Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 I mean, and everybody says this season is all about Justin Fields' development, but I don't want him to – throw for 400 yards and, and a loss. I mean, is is that really what we want? I, I, I don't think so, but um, who knows? We could talk about that hypothetical 
another time. We will be back here uh, presumably next Monday, uh, Gabriel Talks Football, GTF, but uh, we will uh, respond and adjust accordingly to whatever uh, Greg's schedule is. And I will let everyone know that tonight, uh, Dan and Aldo bear their souls. I got a brand new open so you can feast on and and, uh, and criticize me for that show. And we got tons of more Bears coverage throughout the week. Any final words there, Mr. Greg Grabio? Greg Gabriel. <laughs> Your name is hard to say sometimes. Yeah, well, just say asshole or something. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I don't care if you've missed any time at all at the gym. I would never do that. <laughs> no, let's let uh, let's have a good week. People settle down, you know, cool it on the criticism and and let things play out. The team is is still winning, and uh, that's the important thing. There you go, outstanding. All right, for Greg Gabe, <laughs> for Greg. Gabriel. I'm Aldo Gandia. This is GTF. We'll see you next week. See you later.